Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is February 17th, 2020, and here once again for fellowship, fun, and the astro lowdown is my buddy, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hey April. Hey Jen. You did it. You got fellowship in there. I got the word fellowship in there. Take note, my friends. Yes. My friends who challenged me to throw fellowship into the podcast this week. What was their take on the word fellowship and why was it important to them that you get that in there? I have one friend in particular who just likes that word. She'll Hmm. say, thanks for the fellowship. So we agreed I would throw it in this week. (laughs) I think it's an excellent addition to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Jen's friend. How is fellowship different than friendship? It just seems warmer to her, I think. It does sound very warm, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like if you go to a church and the congregation, they talk about the fellowship and being together in a group as one. Yeah. Okay, so it has that communal aspect to it. Do you like the sound of it? I actually very much do. It does sound warm. Why don't you use it in your column next week? I will try, Jen. (laughs) And for now, I will savor our fellowship. We want to thank all of you for your fellowship, for all the lovely reviews that we've been getting and, and wonderful feedback. And we just thought we would share. There have been some really nice ones. I know. It really does hearten us. Yeah. And Charmed65 said, love these very informative, calm, nice ladies. Don't you love that she thinks we're calm? I do. I really because do. Because <laughs> I never feel all that calm when we're doing this. They really relay astro information in layman's terms. They express this info through real-life experiences and stories, plus their voices are very calming. See, we're hearing that again Yeah, about our NPR voices, our Bob Ross voices. Thanks, ladies. I can't wait for my Mondays. Well, in April, you do love it when people enjoy the voices because of how you go to sleep to Bob Ross every night. I do. <laughs> so I love to be in that esteemed company yeah. to share that fellowship with Bob Ross, if you will. <laughs> Nicely played there. Did you want to read our next review that we have on the sheet here? Absolutely. Astrofond says, I love April and Jen and their lively, accessible yet erudite discussions of important astrological events and themes in the big sky. I've always greatly admired April's writing and her gorgeous collage illustrations, but this podcast adds another dimension to the written and visual content of her website. Jen brings her own contributions, often in the form of her excellent questions for April, but often via her own perceptive comments and observations. I really cannot miss an episode. Isn't that nice? That is so lovely. Thank you, Astro Fond. I appreciate it. I've never been called erudite. It thrills my ninth house planets more than I can tell you. (laughs) And I have to second that emotion about your contributions and the good questions that you ask. And you're always coming in with interesting comments of your own. And it's great. I love our podcasting team. Thanks, April, for saying something so nice right there. And then NM Rabbit, which I'm hoping means New Mexico. I love New Mexico. I was thinking New Moon Rabbit. Oh, I wonder which it is. I do wonder too. NM Rabbit, write in and let us know. She says, or he says, I am loving this podcast. The analogies they use to relate astrology to life make aha moments for me. Thank you. See, we're right up there with Oprah with the (laughs) aha moments. That's really sweet. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to everybody who's been writing and making these comments. Yeah, it's really heartening, as you said. It is. So thank you. One more piece of pod keeping before we get started, April. Mm -hmm. We wanted to mention, if you're enjoying the Big Sky Astrology podcast and you want 
want to help keep it going, we now have an area on the website to make a donation. So, you know, if you're in the position to kick in a buck or five or 10 or 50 or whatever it is for you, that would really help us out to keep the podcast going. So go to BigSkyAstropod.com and you will see depictions of me and April in our Victorian outfits. I think I'm the one on the right, maybe. See, that's kind of how I thought of it, too. And why would that be? You thought I was the one on the right? Well, yeah, but you're actually taller, so you should have been the one on the left. But neither one of them, they're both wearing dresses, which, as we firmly established last week, is not our jam. Thank you for sharing that, Jen, and we did have a wonderful donation last week. Really sweet. Yeah, I didn't get permission to share that person's name, but we really did appreciate it, and it helped us bring our trans transcripts to you that we provide for each episode. So thank you for that. Some podcasts charge for transcripts. You told me that. Yeah. So we provide those for free to everybody. I was surprised, but it is a certain amount of work. And I understand why someone might charge for it. Because if you look at our transcripts, they're about 15 pages long. Who knew we were talking so much? (laughs) And, you know, thank goodness for this delightful fellow who is transcribing them for us because he has his work cut out for him. Yeah. So what do we have going on this week? Well, the sun is entering Pisces. Yeah. That's kind of a big one. Once a year transit. Mm-hmm. That happens on February 18th, just before 9 p.m. my time. So the sun enters Pisces, the sign of the fish. And it immediately makes a sextile aspect to Mars, which is not complete until the 24th, and also a sextile aspect to Uranus on the 22nd. And Pisces, of course, is a water sign. And we talked about water signs on a couple of different episodes of the podcast. Water signs are rich in intuition and are vulnerable. Yes. Pick up on other people's feelings and emotions very easily. So the downside of water signs, if we're prepared to concede that there is one, is because (laughs) they are so vulnerable. And it's always nice to see planets that are in the water element in combination with planets in the Earth element. So there are four elements, right? There is fire, earth, air, and water. And each sign of the zodiac is assigned to one of these elements. So Pisces is water, and it's making good aspects to planets that are in Earth signs. Mars is in Capricorn, and Uranus is in Taurus. So we say that Earth is very supportive to water. If you think of a riverbed or a channel or a levee that directs, guides the water and gives structure to it. So it's not just overflowing Ah, and overtaking everything. Okay, I like that image. And of course, water irrigates the earth. Uh So they're mutually supportive. And anytime you see planets that are in one of these elements, and then planets that are in the other element, so water to earth, we know that they are probably in good aspect to each other mm-hmm. because it means they have something to offer each other. Yeah. So the water signs, as we probably talked about before, are Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. The earth signs are Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. So all of those signs get along with one another. And when people have aspects between these water signs, that means that they are trining. Correct. If they're within orb, but that's a whole other discussion. But generally, that's the relationship of signs in the same element. Yeah, right. That's an effortless interaction. They just get each other. Yeah, okay. With the complementary elements, they have to work a little harder to understand each other, but they are mutually supportive and they add something to the other person's experience. Mm -hmm. Then the air signs are Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius, and they are of the mental nature thinking, analyzing, communicating, the very sociable signs. 
and the fire signs are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius, which are very dynamic, a little bit dramatic, very emotional. And the two of them get along because air fans the flames of fire. Yeah. They make us even more fiery and dramatic than we already are. And fire warms air, which is nice. Unless it's the middle of summer. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, that is true. There's always a downside. Thanks for finding that dark cloud for the silver lining there, Jen. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to provide a little cheat sheet for you in the show notes that you'll be able to download that will show which sign is in which element and give you a little information about how they get along. Yeah, and as long as you're getting that cheat sheet, feel free to sign up for April's fantastic newsletter, too. Indeed. Right there on the main page. So this is the sun going into Pisces, and kind of happy to see it coming because there is still so much planetary emphasis still in Capricorn, a very earthy sign. It's nice to have that Pisces come along and bring a softer, more gentle, intuitive energy. Yeah. So Pisces is irrigating all of the Capricorn. Right. That parched earth of Capricorn. (laughs) Here comes Pisces. Okay, so the sun is going into Pisces, which means we really don't have any planets in air right now. Does that make it harder for people to think clearly, especially with Mercury and Pisces going retrograde right now? I think it's fair to say that without any planets in air, It can be about expressing yourself, and it can also be just that general sense of not having enough air to breathe. Yeah. The nice thing about air, like if you have air with earth, air can aerate the earth. Mm -hmm. If you get severely compacted soil, like we do here, we're on clay soil, and it gets very compacted. And the one nice thing about having so many gophers in our backyard at the moment is they're aerating that soil. You know, they're turning some air into it, some oxygen. You have gophers? I need to back up for a second. <laughs> oh, I haven't filled you in all the gopher situation. You have gophers in your backyard? Oh, yeah. We have a whole gopher scene going on back there. Wow. It's like a horror movie. You know, the mascot of the University of Minnesota is Goldie the Gopher. I did not know that. (laughs) I do now. Fun Minnesotan fact. Surely it's yet another sign pointing me in the direction of Minneapolis. (laughs) I'm so glad you just saw that on your own there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's a gopher scene. Yeah, it's a whole situation back there. There's a colony. There's a a whole civilization of gophers happening in our backyard. Okay. So not having anything in air and this This could be true. Occasionally you see a birth chart of a client who doesn't have any planets in one of these elements. Hmm. They're completely lacking in air, fire, earth, or water signs. And what will often happen, again, as we talked last week about if you have a T-square configuration and you're missing a table leg, I think it works in a similar way if you're missing planets in an element in your chart. Mm -hmm. You're looking for that elemental balance. And so you might tend to get close to, spend time with people who are very abundant in planets in that element. So yeah, right now, we're definitely in a place with the sun in Pisces, Mercury retrograde in Pisces, where we have to make our way through the world in a less literal way. 
See, I'm not even doing a good job of expressing myself today. That's so I'm not true. You, that is not oh, true. Gosh. <laughs> That's what I was telling you that I was struggling so hard over the weekend oh. writing my weekly column and even coming up with images. Mm-hmm. I was struggling so hard to express myself because the energy of the moment with Mercury retrograde in Pisces and now emphasized with the sun going into Pisces is much less about expressing yourself and more about going into that deep place, that reservoir that refuels your creative self Mm -hmm. and gives you something to say. Or maybe since we're missing the air element, people could do a simple breathing exercise, which would bring the air element into their body. So last week, there was a grounding exercise that we discussed in episode 12, Mercury retrograde, where are my pants? (laughs) (laughs) Which will never not make us laugh. (laughs) It had very little to do with the theme of the show, but clearly we had to put it in the title. So people could do a breathing exercise of just simply inhaling for a count of four and holding for a count of four, exhaling for a count of four, and then holding for a count of four. I just did that. And that will bring the air element into your body and into your life and hopefully help ground you a little bit too. What a good idea. I like that very much. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yes. So that is just a little recap of elements and how Pisces, we hope, is going to bring a softer kind of quality to the current times with so much stuff in Capricorn. Uh There was something I wanted to tell you. When I was taking a look at last week's astrology, I found that Lady Gaga, who I know practically nothing about, is like the avatar of the moment because she was born with Mercury retrograde in Pisces, with Mars in Capricorn, with Venus in Aries, And all the things we've been talking about. Oh, my gosh. Over the last couple of weeks. Huh. And I think the thing about her, of the little that I know of her, that seems remarkable is that she does have that combination of the real work ethic of Mars and Capricorn, along with she has a really unique approach to things. And I think that very much speaks to the Mercury retrograde in Pisces. Yeah. So I just thought I'd throw that in because I found it kind of remarkable. Absolutely. And we'll link that in the show notes, of course. Yes. And I'm going to throw this in. If folks are not looking at the show notes, you might find it useful. So I'm just going to throw that out there. We add a lot to the show notes. We kind of beef them up and put different links to different things in there. So if you're interested, do take a look. Yeah, somebody asked me how to find them. And you can find them on my website, which will give you the link to that at the end of the episode. And for each episode, there is a post and that includes the show notes, a quick link to listen to the episode again and a transcript. So it is all there. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, which about 40% of you are, you can see the show notes right there. So yes. So guess what time it is? Joni says we need a theme song. (laughs) We totally need a theme song for this. And I'm looking for one. Are you? When the transcriptionist sends us the transcription, he says lip sounds at the point where I'm doing my little do-do-do. Well, it is moon watch. It's moon watch time. Yes. I am actively looking for a theme song Hmm. for this. So I'll have this for you possibly next week. We're at another new moon. So this is the fourth new moon that we've been doing the podcast. How can that be? Oh, it be. It be. (laughs) So (laughs) we started with Sagittarius new moon and we'd done Capricorn, we did Aquarius, and now we're at the Pisces new moon, which is on February 23rd at just after 7.30 a.m. here on the West Coast, 9.32 in beautiful Minneapolis, where Jen is. Mm -hmm. And this new moon is on the Sabian symbol five Pisces, a church bazaar. Mm. And I didn't give it a lot more thought than that. I just thought I would look up the symbol. 
and throw that out to you and say, hey, they probably have a lot of church bazaars up in the Twin Cities. That's a very Midwestern thing. Well, I don't believe I've ever seen a church bazaar up here. So I think you have an idea of Minneapolis being (laughs) very homemade in some small town. (laughs) And there are many, many people that live here in a large city, just FYI. (laughs) So it's not super cozy. All right. And it's pretty diverse. Minneapolis is pretty diverse. Well, we have a church bazaar that happens at the Catholic Church here in San Diego. Is it an open air kind of deal? It's not. They do it in their, what do you call it? The room where they have their banquet. Their fellowship room? Their fellowship room. Exactly so. (laughs) (laughs) We need to bring it back around, Jen. It is a room o fellowship. So a church bazaar. And what happens is you go in and it's really a rummage sale. There's all kinds of stuff that people are selling, and some of it's kind of interesting, and some of it's really junk. Yeah. And I just sort of like the symbol, and I think the way Pisces works best is by wandering. I'm married to somebody with the sun conjunct Neptune, so even though he's a Libra, I think he really wanted to be a Pisces. Hmm. And he will run across things by just being out in the neighborhood. He can go to a church bazaar and come back with all kinds of fascinating things. He does best when he's just wandering and he doesn't have a particular objective in mind, a a particular destination. Hmm. That's when interesting things happen for him. And I think the church bazaar degree speaks to that a little bit of knowing that there are all kinds of interesting things out there that we can't necessarily imagine. Right. It's a communal symbol as well. Fellowship, if you will. Certainly. One of fellowship. Yeah. It's a lot of people getting together and pulling together their stuff and offering it to others. And you don't know what you're going to find. And maybe you'll find some junk, but maybe you'll find some stuff that's really interesting. So that says a little bit of something about the spirit of this new moon in Pisces, I think. Well, I mean, it's a church bazaar, so there's a religious undertone. There is. Now, I mean, the church bazaars I've been to happen to be held in churches, and that is where the religious implication begins and ends. Mm -hmm. Where I grew up, we grew up right down the road, down a little country road, from a Nazarene church. And they had these kinds of things and pancake breakfasts and spaghetti dinners. And and I think with the bazaar, the same thing is it's not really about earning money from your stuff. And it's not really about even proselytizing about the religion. It's just about chance for people to get together. People like to get together. We're communal creatures. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit the message of this new moon, I believe, is let yourself wander. And that was something we've said a little bit in association with this Mercury and Pisces retrograde as well. Right. Don't get too attached to how you get there. It's okay. You know, Mars and Capricorn continues to want to set goals and objectives and ambitions. And the Pisces says it's fine, but we don't know how we're going to get there. And that's the spirit of this new moon. It's the combination of this Pisces stuff and then all that Capricorn stuff and the balancing act. Yeah. It's a nice, peaceful new moon chart, actually, the new moon point. The sun and the moon are in the nice aspects to Mars and Uranus. It gives us a motivation to actually get out and do some things. And Uranus says, hey, that element of surprise, who knows what we're going to unearth at the church bazaar. But the rest of the charts, I think, pretty mellow. I'm looking at it right now here. Oh, well, other than Venus, but we'll talk about Venus. (laughs) Venus is uh, going down a tough road. Here's a question. If the sun's at five Pisces and it's basically sextiling Mars and Uranus, then if someone has a point at five degrees of Virgo, 
Would that form a kite? Yeah, it is a kite because what happens is you have an opposition between two planets. Yeah. Then you have a sextile between the top part of the opposition and two other planets. And then those planets in turn are also aspecting, like if somebody had something at five degrees of Virgo, then it would also be making trine aspects to the Mars and the Uranus. Right. Well, what I've heard about kites is that they fly you in and out of opportunities. I like that. It makes a lot of sense because the sextile is an opportunity aspect. Yeah. So the sun in this case is in the opportunity position. So the opportunity comes through shining our light, through letting ourselves be seen. Through that point. Mm -hmm. And the opposition point, if there were anything in Virgo, which there's not at the moment. Right. But if people have their chart and they're actually looking at it, and it's around five degrees Virgo. Mm -hmm. So the base of that is making a trine to the planets that are sextiling the sun Right here. So I guess it's, this is a point of ease. This is a point of a natural gift things just falling into your lap and then pushing you towards opportunities based on that. I like that. So by chart configurations, there are things like locomotive and what are some of the other ones? Yods, fingers of God. Oh, sure. Yeah, that is one you'll use. Then Hammer of Thor. They have these evocative titles, first of his name (laughs) or something. I mean... Yeah, the yod. Well, I mean, I call it yod, but a lot of people do call it yod. So you're not wrong. But the yod's an interesting one because what's happening is two planets are each making a quincunx to the same planet, but those two planets are sextile each other. Right. So you have fundamental discomfort, which is the quincunx, but the planets that are both quincunx, the point planet are sextile each other. So it says there is a solution, Uh which is for the planets at the bottom of the yod to work together to come up with solutions. But yeah, that's not a comfortable configuration. That is five signs away that an adjustment is needed, right? Yes. Here's the easy way to find a quincunx. Just find the opposition point and then look to the signs on either side. That's good advice. So the quincunx first. So if you've got the sun in Pisces, the opposite point is Virgo, and the signs either side of that are Leo or Libra. So we know Pisces is in a quincunx position to Leo and Libra. Yeah. And it just means they have nothing in common. They don't share the same element. They're not of the same modality, meaning cardinal, fixed, or mutable. They have nothing really in common. And so therefore, they fascinate each other. Hmm. That's what you'll actually see a lot of couples whose sun signs, for instance, are quincunx. I see a lot of Cancerians with Aquarians. Okay. You see it actually a lot because they're just can't quite completely figure each other out. And it's fascinating to try. (laughs) And it's usually there can be an element of sexual attraction. There can also be the sense that one person is of service to the other, because inherently the quincunx is kind of of the nature of the sixth house or the eighth house. Wait, what do you mean by that? I mean that if you had a natural wheel that begins at Aries and then Taurus on the second house, Gemini on the third and so forth. Yes. Across from Aries is Libra. And then in the sixth house would be Virgo. And in the eighth house would be Scorpio. Those are the signs that are inherently quincunx to Aries, which is naturally on the first house. Got it. So we would just say that if you look at a wheel from that perspective, you'll see that that is the quincunx relationship. Yeah. And naturally, it is of the nature of the sixth and the eighth houses. Nice. So anyway, that's the new moon. A church bazaar. Okay. A church bazaar. So rummage get out there, be in community, see what people are offering, and don't go out necessarily with the sense of, I want to find this thing. 
thing, which the Mars and Capricorn might want to do. But let the Mars and Capricorn at least get you out of the house and help you find the directions to the place where you're going. And then let Pisces just rummage around. Mars and Capricorn could be your tour guide. Absolutely. Yes. So Jupiter is busy this week. What is Jupiter up to? You talked last week about oh, yeah. Jupiter sextile Neptune. Yes, because Jupiter is going to be sextiling Neptune three times this year. And I know it's one of the less obvious, but also big transits of 2020. Yeah, I would say it is significant because Jupiter and Neptune are both relatively slow moving planets. Neptune, obviously, a lot slower than Jupiter, but Jupiter does take a year to get through a sign of the zodiac. So he's not exactly zipping along. Right. So when he's making an aspect to one of those big outer planets, Saturn through Pluto, we know it's a pretty significant aspect. I think for a good recap of that, people could go back to our last episode, episode 12, and listen to what we were saying about that. I'll link that in the show notes too. Yeah. So this is the first pass of it on February 20th at just before 8 a.m. Pacific time. But Venus is also making an aspect to Jupiter this week on the 23rd. So Venus is still in Aries doing her thing there and squaring Jupiter. Venus and Jupiter are both seen as the quote-unquote benefic planets. Yes, they are the benefic. So Jupiter is the greater benefic and Venus is the lesser benefic, an appellation that she would not enjoy, I'm sure. She's not a lesser anything. Captain Marvel there in Aries. Especially Venus in Aries. I am lesser to no man. Right. So Venus squared Jupiter is... If you have to have a square, it's a pretty good one. It's not so bad, yeah. Yeah, Venus and Jupiter both mean well and generally bring about positive manifestations, we'd say. So even having them square, I used to always say to my wedding clients that if you have to have squares, squares to Jupiter are the way to go in a chart. Yeah. Because a square just activates. It provokes. It gets us off our butt. So having anything square Jupiter is not such a bad thing because it just activates Jupiter. Yeah. So there is a downside to Jupiter, which is that it can bite off more than it can chew. Go a little overboard, huh? Yeah. And I think with Venus square Jupiter, because Venus is what we like and what we want, it would be like (laughs) April going to the store and buying the large bag of Cheetos instead of the small one. Okay. Or it's buying something that's a little more expensive than you can really afford or spending a lot more money on some kind of indulgence. It's less about things that are really necessary with Venus-Jupiter. You might tell yourself they're necessary because Jupiter's in Capricorn. So you'll find some rationalization that says, this is very practical. This will come in handy Uh, at some point. This uh is good for my business. This is whatever it is. And it's really Uh just Venus and Aries, who is a little impulsive, probably saying, ooh, that looks good. I must have it. And talking Jupiter into it, which is not hard to do because Jupiter's always on board with indulging (laughs) with something. So I guess what we would say on a practical level about this week is, well, if you've got to be impulsive about going out and buying things, make sure you know the return policy. Yeah. Especially because let's not forget, Mercury is retrograde right now in Pisces. And if folks want to hear more about Jupiter in Capricorn, they can listen to episode two, False Stuff in a Business Suit. Wow. We've had Jupiter in Capricorn almost the whole time we've been doing this podcast. That's hard to believe. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question about when one planet makes an aspect to another planet in general. Do we always say that the planet which takes the least amount of time to orbit the sun is squaring the other planet? For example, you said Venus is squaring Jupiter. You would not say Jupiter is squaring Venus, correct? Correct. And thank you for this opportunity to give a short lesson on astrological grammar. Yes. Which is something dear to my heart. Go for it. Yes. You take the faster moving planet because it is the 
the one applying to the aspect. It's going to get there to the degree where it's going to make that aspect before the other planet does. Now, the confusion comes in because if you're comparing the planets in the sky right now, the transiting planets to your birth chart. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, you will take the outer planets. You'll like, for instance, look at, well, let's take Jupiter because it's aspecting your chart at the moment. So we'll say Jupiter is in Capricorn. And we'll say it is going to be aspecting the planets in your chart and it's squaring the sun a little bit past it. Right. But because Jupiter is bringing the aspect at that point, we'll say it is aspecting the sun rather than the other way around. Which makes sense to my brain because I've always thought of my birth chart or anybody's birth chart as these little energetic imprints in the sky. I'm pointing to the sky. Only April can see me doing that right now. (laughs) And so it would make sense then because those little energetic imprints in my mind don't move. Right. So Jupiter would be squaring my sun. Oh, thank you. That is so much of a better explanation. Is it? Yeah, than what I did. If we're talking about the planet's relative to each other right now in the sky, we're going to talk about the faster moving planet aspecting the outer planet. Yeah. Yeah. That's a much better way that you explained it of the points in your chart are fixed points and the transiting planets are the ones that are moving. So they are the ones making the aspect. Yeah. Thank you for giving an opportunity to clarify that. Absolutely. Do we have anything else that we need to talk to the people about today? No. (laughs) In a word. In a word. No. (laughs) Well, have we done it then? April, we've done it. We've done it once again. Lucky episode 13. We're coming to an end. Oh, gosh, I would love an opportunity. No, we already talked about. We did. If you want to hear about Friday the 13th and how that's really lucky, I will link that in the show notes. Yeah, we did discuss that, though. Yeah. Well, everybody do enjoy this season of the sun going into gentle, imaginative, lovely Pisces. Magical Pisces. Yes, magical Pisces and the new moon in that sun and this busy Jupiter. Sounds like kind of a nice week. And thank you all for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, we sure hope that you will subscribe in iTunes or any place that will let you subscribe. Not every place will, so that you don't miss a single episode. We come to you each Monday morning, and you can read the show notes and full transcripts and leave comments about each episode either at the website, bigskyastropod.com, or the show notes and transcripts and comments is also available in iTunes. That's right. You can leave a little review there and maybe we'll give you a shout out on the show. We love hearing from you. We do. So thank you and join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Oh,